Welcome to the Awakening Church podcast. We exist to awaken this generation to new life in Christ. Thanks for tuning in. To find out more, go to awakeningchurch.com. Good morning. Hi, Awakening. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good? Good morning. If we haven't met, my name is Nassim, and I'm on staff here at Awakening. And I direct our church communications and plan our events, and I also lead our connections ministry. And I'm stoked to bring the word this morning. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I love the audible back and forth. So if you're feeling me and you want to clap and want to give an amen or yes, I'll know you're awake. So feel free. (laughs) Feel free to do so. Um, If you've been with us over the last three weeks, we have been journeying through a series called Awakening Vision. We've kicked off 2020 and a new decade by talking about and thinking through the importance of having vision for our lives. What does that mean? It's not just having foresight of what we can currently see ahead, but being able to visualize what could be in light of what currently is. Last week, Ryan preached on this compelling call we have as believers to go forth and to make disciples, to awaken this generation to new life in Jesus. And today's message is the closer of that series, and it's called A Surprising Solution. The reason is because when we think about furthering the vision of our church, or even furthering the personal vision in your own life and bringing it to fruition, we might be surprised to learn it also, it often starts with taking a closer look at our own personal faith journey and moving from a place of consuming to contributing. Let's dive in with a story. About 15 years ago, in Yosemite National Park, a giant, magnificent sequoia tree fell to the ground. This was the first time that something like this had happened. Park rangers, forest service, all began an investigation to figure out what could have caused this giant tree to fall. They concluded there had been no fires, no floods, no windstorms, nothing of the sort. What they came to find out was this shocking reality that the tree fell due to foot traffic. Weird. And what happened was this foot traffic over the years grew to damage the root systems of the tree and contributed to the collapse over time. Wayne Cordero, the author of The Divine Mentor, shares this story in his book, and he draws a magnificent parallel to us as Christians with those trees. He says, even reliable and wise trees that have lived for hundreds of years can't survive when there's no protection or sacred enclosure around their root systems. See, we, like the trees, have delicate root systems. We're more fragile than we could ever imagine. And unless we find a way to protect and nourish these roots, we too will fall, sometimes gradually. And so what the Park Service ended up doing was they actually implemented a new policy where they started building fences around these trees to protect them from falling. Those fences are what Wayne calls sacred enclosures. He continues and writes, it is the sacred enclosures around our roots that save us from falling. It's not the absence of stress or challenges that'll always come. It's the sacred enclosures that guard our foundation and allow us to keep standing. Will you bow your heads and pray with me as you open? God, we just thank you so much for this morning. Lord, we thank you and proclaim that we want you to be that sacred enclosure around our lives this morning. God, we worship you for how magnificent you are. And I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you move me aside and you just speak to your church. 
Amen. Amen. Several years ago, Barna Group, a market research organization, conducted a study asking Gen Z and millennials to rank their top priorities in life. The ranking system consisted of 12 different priorities, and I won't read them all, but just to give you kind of an idea of what these were, they included things like travel, furthering your education, finding out who you really are, giving to the poor, spiritual maturity, and landing your dream job, things like that. And what they came to find, the results were very interesting. So for both Gen Z and for millennials, the top priorities included one, becoming financially independent, and two, figuring out your dream job or for finishing your education for Gen Z. Some other interesting findings included that spiritual maturity was ranked in the middle at number six for millennials and all the way down at number nine for Gen Z. Something else I thought was interesting was caring for the poor or altruistic acts was all the way down at number 11, tied for both generations. Now, none of these priorities are bad at all. In fact, I think that these encompass a lot of our priorities, right? The problem lies in our ranking system. The problem lies when our spiritual lives are ranked as number nine instead of number one. This, however, may be the result of the fact that we live in an extremely me-centric, consumer-driven society, right? Everything's all about me. So it seems only natural that we would prioritize ourselves because we've grown up this way. We've grown up in a culture that makes it all about us. We don't know any different. It's always centered around me and the more I desire to take and to consume from life. I'm sure many of you have heard the phrase, I'm just out here living my best life, right? This phrase encapsulates our culture's mentality. And this mentality has seeped into church culture as well, into what I would call consumer-driven Christianity. What do I mean by this? Consumer Christianity is coming to church and seeking to get fed without seeking to feed others. Consumer Christianity is coming to church to get our needs met, but never having eyes to even see the needs around us we could be meeting. Consumer Christianity is coming to church expecting friends, never being a friend. Simply put, it's taking what we want, what we think we need, and never having eyes to see what others might need. See, oftentimes we come to church, I'm so guilty of this, we come and we're expecting an amazing message, right? And if it doesn't tickle the right emotions, we chalk it up to, well, just a bad sermon, maybe a bad preacher, right? If our favorite worship song is played, we get so excited, and if there's something new being played or unfamiliar, kind of tend to tune out, right? Zone out for a sec. We read our Bibles if and when we feel like it, and when we're at church, we're constantly examining, what can this church offer me? This form of consumer-driven Christianity leads to a laundry list of negative effects in our lives, the biggest of which being a sense of complacency in our faith. What I mean by that is we're no longer growing and we're totally okay with it. The book of Revelation talks about being lukewarm in our faith. And one translation, I love how it puts it, it says, it is better to be frozen with apathy or fervent with passion for Jesus, not in between. It is better to be frozen with apathy or fervent with passion for Jesus, not in between. Have you ever felt like your faith is in a stale place? I know I have. Or maybe you go home on a Sunday after church and you're at home and you just kind of feel like this empty feeling, like something is missing. That's what it starts to look like when we treat our faith like another thing that we consume. 
In his cleverly titled book, The Great Omission, Dallas Willard develops this notion of what he calls being a consumer Christian. And he writes about how oftentimes as Christians, we think that our faith is a consumption of Christian services. He writes how, for us, maybe sometimes going to church is what equals being a Christian. And he challenges readers by asking this question, is my faith just one more thing that I consume? Is my faith just one more thing I consume? He continues with an extremely relevant analogy of what he calls being a vampire Christian. Hang with me. It's someone who, in effect, says to Jesus, hey, Jesus, I'd like a little bit of your blood, please. I don't care to be your student, though, or to have your character. In fact, won't you just excuse me while I get on with my life, and I'll see you in heaven. (laughs) See, this desire for more and more consumption in our faith really just leaves us hungry. It's not filling. And I know that might sound contrary because in life, when we think of consumption, we think of becoming full, right? Something like food. We eat, we consume, we become full. But the reason this isn't filling when it comes to our faith is because we weren't created by God for mere consumption. We were created for something more. Last week, Ryan shared the famous Great Commission passage in the Bible, right? It's these encouragements and this call from Jesus for us as Christians to go forth and to make disciples, Christ followers. It's this direct calling on our lives as Christians. Dallas Willard in his book beautifully articulates union and action with God is Christian spirituality. Let me say that again. Union and action with God is Christian spirituality. We're going to go with this verse throughout the whole sermon, so just remember that. Union and action with God. So where do we come in? What must we do? God wants to shift our hearts and our minds to a posture of contributing versus consuming as Christians. When I say the word contributor, I mean it as a partnership with God. See, we can sing songs, we can hear sermons, we can consume a Sunday morning production. That's awesome. But we were created for more. We were created for a partnership with the Lord. To understand the weight of this invitation, we have to first begin to view ourselves in light of who God says that we are. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. This is a letter that Paul is writing to a church in Ephesus in the Word. And it's a very, very encouraging chapter where Paul is giving them, them this amazing encouragement of what it means to be made alive in Christ. It's so powerful. And he continues, and it's a very famous passage. I'm sure many of you know the part where it talks about it's by grace we've been saved, not by works. And he continues in verse 10. It's what I want to focus on this morning. He writes powerfully, For we are his workmanship, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I absolutely love the Greek translation for workmanship. It's poetry or a poem. So it's believing this reality that our lives are beautiful poetry written by God. If this verse doesn't excite us, then we haven't fully grasped the vision that God has for our lives. Allow this to sink in. Maybe close your eyes for a sec if you want to. The God of the universe has created you with purpose. He has created you with vision in mind, with a game plan for good works that he's prepared long before you were ever even born. The key here, 
that we often tend to gloss over is the end of that verse where Paul writes that we should walk in them. See, the reality is that we have a choice. Paul isn't assuming that we will walk in them. That's why there's so much clarity as the verse ends. It's almost like a disclaimer to us as readers that we should walk in them. So I wonder, are we walking in step with the plans that he's prepared for us? God is inviting you and I into a partnership with him to further his kingdom. He's saying, I want you to be a disciple, and I want you to make disciples. So where do we begin? How can we move from being more of a consumer Christian to begin to partner with God and contribute to walking in the vision he has for our lives? I think to do so, we have to consider three questions to guide us this morning. The first, whose voice or what voice is the loudest in your life? Let's reflect back on the story I shared about the sequoia trees in Yosemite. These magnificent trees were affected due to the noise, right? They fell due to the foot traffic. See, friends, we are the sequoia tree. The voice that we listen to the loudest that is the fence or the sacred enclosure that protects our roots. And the foot traffic is the noise that we allow in, right? The comparison, getting caught up in social media, the temptation to give in to our fleshly desires, to compromise our morals, whatever the case may be. If we are not enclosed by the right voice, we too will fall, oftentimes gradually when we don't even see it coming. So what voice? Or whose voice is the loudest in your life? Is it yours? Is it God's? Is it some man-made construct that keeps you secure? Maybe finances, a relationship, career. Just as that park took measures to protect the root systems by building those fences, we too must protect our roots, right? And, and that's active on our part. I go back to that quote by Dallas Willard, union and action with God. Our faith, our union with Christ takes action. We need to surrender all the other noise and proclaim, God, I want your voice to be the loudest in my life, right? Because God's not going to compete with the other voices and the noise. But we have to proclaim, we have to pray and be like, God, I want your voice to be the voice that's leading me, the voice that's the loudest. Let's ensure, friends, that we are rooted in the right voice. Pun intended. <laughs> So that's the primary realization and the truth that we need to lead with as we step into partnering with God. Then we can tackle the second question. Where does spiritual maturity rank on my priority list? I mentioned at the beginning of this message, the study that was conducted right on the two generations. And we found that spiritual maturity was ranked almost like an afterthought for our generations. And I'm just going to boldly state that in order to live into this calling of Ephesians 2.10 for our lives, friends, we need to prioritize and desire to cultivate our relationship with God as number one. Like, no exceptions. Number one. And that's not to sound legalistic. It's not because it sounds like the right Christian response. That's because we were created for a relationship with God. Right? That is why he created us. That's his purpose for us. In order to understand the weight of being God's workmanship, the fact that we've been invited to partner with him to do good works, we must have a deep understanding of God and the relationship he longs to have with us. Do you remember when you first came to know Jesus? 
And I'm sure for many of us, it was this insane, overwhelming, just outpouring of love you felt over your life, right? And you're left just feeling like this new mentality of like, there's no going back. Like, I can never go back. And I think that's why the language in the Bible, too, is so beautiful of being born again. It's like becoming a new creation. We can't go back. And then you just want to spread that love to everyone around you. God's priority for us is that we would constantly be getting to know him more every single day as we continue our walk with him, right? As we experience that love, we just want to worship him. And that worship of him looks like spending time with him, growing in him, serving him, serving his body. There's no finish line to our Christian walk. There's no I have arrived moment, you know, crossing that line like a racer. In fact, I would say it looks more like going up a never-ending winding staircase and not running, just walking up it, and every single day, every moment, there's a new revelation and encounter with the Lord as we grow in him. And as much as God wants this for us, we have to want this for ourselves too. For me personally, over the last month or so, I felt this, just such a conviction of like, God, I want to be as desperate for you in the good and the mundane days as I am in the days where I need you to show up. You know what I mean? Like, there's moments where I'm so desperate for God where I'm like, I need you to answer this prayer now, like yesterday, you know? I need you to show up and feeling just so empty and whatever. And in the moments where things are great, I want to be as desperate for you, God. And I realized that looks like action on my part. I need to take steps to grow in my maturity with God. That means, like, making it a priority to daily commune with him. That's what abiding in him is. It's I don't know, I just think of the fact that I let so many other things take precedence over my time with him. It's so convicting. What can we do today to make him more of a priority and grow in our spiritual maturity? And the great news is as we grow in our spiritual maturity, we begin to further understand this calling to partner with God. The fact that God has appointed all of us to be ministers, right? Not every Christian is called to necessarily be a pastor or a worship leader, However, friends, we are all called to be ministers and spread the good news. That is the Great Commission. This is the calling on all of our lives as believers. So let's refresh. Taking these steps to, one, make God the primary, loudest voice in our lives, and two, prioritizing our spiritual maturity is what leads to experiencing Christ's power over our lives. It leads to understanding the weight and the joy of this partnership that we've been invited into. And that's how we begin to move from just viewing the church as a place to come and consume and feed ourselves, but as an opportunity to contribute, right, to minister and to serve the body. And so finally, it's time to make this real applicable. We must ask, what is my tangible next step? Ryan alluded to this last week as he ended his sermon, and I want to unpack that this morning. Let's recall that verse, the verse in Ephesians 2.10 ends with this reminder that we should walk in them, in the good works. How do we do that? I mentioned Christ's love, right? That experience of feeling the outpouring of Christ's love. And the more we get to know him, the more we learn that we are called to model that love through serving. Matthew 20.26 20, puts it beautifully. It says, the greatest one among you will live as the one who's called to serve others. Because the greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant. For even the Son of Man did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone, to give his life in exchange for the salvation of many. 
our vision as a church is to awaken this generation to new life in Jesus. We love seeing people's lives transform when they come to know him. And a huge part of my role here in my job is this process of connecting someone new who comes into our doors and helping them thrive and to grow in their faith through multiple channels. Around the office internally, we call it going from the front door to family. What we mean by that is we believe with all of our hearts that when you walk into our doors for the first time, we believe that you are someone that God has sent here to become part of this family. We love you like family. Ephesians 2.19 reminds us of this promise that when we come to know Jesus, we are no longer strangers to God or heaven. We are members of God's very own family. And we belong in God's household with every other Christian. Amen? See, I think that's so beautiful because in such an individualistic culture where we're just wired to go at it alone in every other department of life, God is like, here's a reminder I don't want you to go at it alone. I provided you with this nuclear family, this body of Christ. I want you to grow together and spur each other on. I want you to stick together. And this is why I'm so passionate about this. It's because that is my heart, is to see you join this family in a deeper way. There's so many of you that I look out in the audience right now, and I remember your first Sunday at Awakening. I remember our first interaction. And it's so beautiful to now see months, maybe years later, where you're at, even in this church at Awakening, right? The way you've thrived, the way you've grown in your faith, the connections you've made, the friendships, etc. It's this reality and beautiful picture that we are each a vital organ, all working together to glorify the body of Christ, right? One body, multiple parts. So at Awakening, we have what we would call a connect track. This is our unique pathway for our people to get plugged in here to our community. Within that track, we have three indicators that we use to identify people in the church. I want to quickly unpack that. The first is those who are exploring. These are people who attend church on a regular basis. Maybe regular means once a month. Maybe it means every week. These are people who consider themselves part of the church, but not really involved beyond attending on a Sunday. The goal here is for those who are exploring to move from a place of simply believing, right, believing in Jesus, to belonging, which is what I just talked about with family. The second group is those who are engaged. These are people who are involved in church beyond just attending. They are committed. They're growing in their faith, and perhaps they're supplementing it with something like joining a midweek group or giving financially. There is a level of engagement beyond the exploration. This is why, church, we have a connection card here. That is the black card that you received in your bulletin. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to engage with us. Our goal is to engage with you, to get to know you, to help you go from a place of exploring to engaging with us. Finally, the third group is those who are leading. And this is our hope for all Christ followers because this is the call that Christ has for our lives, right, that we would all step into leadership. When you are leading, simply put, you are influencing others' walk with God. Your life is something that somebody would want to emulate. You understand that, and you've stepped into that calling. These are people who are serving through various ministries at the church. They give their time, their prayers, their loyalty. And ultimately, these people are making disciples, both inside the church and outside the walls. They're living commissioned. There's a sense of ownership. 
I'm reminded of a conversation I had on Monday, actually, with my friend Sam Chan. He has no idea I'm bringing this up right now, but I just thought of it. Um, Sam Chan serves on so many teams at Awakening, but something I love about him is every time during our meet and greet, he'll always meet someone new, and he'll bring them back to the connection table and introduce them to me. And this past Sunday, he did it like four different times. I was like, how are you meeting all these people? <laughs> and I texted him on Monday just saying, hey, Sam, thank you so much for being an undercover connection team member. And his response surprised me in the best way. He said, yeah, I believe everyone in the church should be an undercover connection team member, right? It should be church-wide and start from the bottom up. That level of leadership is what it means to be living commissioned and walking in that contributor mindset. So as I explain that pathway, I wonder, where do you find yourself on this spectrum? Maybe you're sitting here today and you're just checking us out. That's awesome. We're so glad you're here. Please continue to check us out. Maybe you're sitting here, though, or maybe it's Awakening, maybe it's a different church, and you've been exploring for six months, and God is, like, tugging on your heart. It's time to plant roots. It's time to invest. I encourage you to start engaging. See, many of you sitting here today have so many unique gifts and talents that God wants to use to further his kingdom. And your tangible next step is to step into serving, using those gifts to impact the church body. You're needed. Maybe it's time for you to invite accountability into your life by joining a small group, living on mission with other people who can spur you on through life's ups and downs. This is why, as a church, we make it easy. We have programs like Startup. We do this twice a year where we just want to make it so easy for people to get plugged into community here, get to know more about us. I encourage you, if that tangible next step needs to look so practical, take out that black card right now or during worship and write on there, what is my tangible next step? Turn it in. Maybe for you, you've come to Awakening and you see a need, and you're like, wow, I wish Awakening did this. I wish they had X ministry. Maybe you were brought here to start that. I think of our amazing care team that I can't imagine our church without our care team, and that started because a leader in our church decided we need something like this, and she started it. Maybe for others of you, it means getting baptized. Maybe it's that public declaration of your faith that's going to impact your church family to see you up there proclaiming your love for Jesus, the fact that you've been born again. What is your tangible next step to go from just consuming to contributing and furthering your partnership with God? See, friends, no matter, and everyone in here today, we all have that tangible next step. What is it for you? I wanted to share as we close a personal story. I grew up in the same church um, from ages 10 till about 26. And it was a very small church. And growing up in that church, one value that I loved is this culture that was embedded of like radical responsibility. See, because we were such a small church, one, <laughs> there was this reminder constantly of no one's too young to lead or to influence. And two, we're all called to partner to further the vision of this church, right? We all understood, like, if we want to grow, we all got to get our hands dirty. Kind of like a family meal, right? We're all in the kitchen doing something to contribute. I remember being in junior high, doing Bible studies with middle school girls. I remember being in high school, mentoring junior high girls, and so on and so forth. And that culture really just stuck with me um, as I kept growing in my faith. And I'll be really honest, really honest, when I first came to Awakening, 
I didn't want to be here at all. <laughs> I didn't know anyone. I had no friends. I missed what I had at my old church. I didn't want my old church to end, and that's a separate story. Um, and I'm sure you can imagine being at the same church from ages 10 to 26, very pivotal years, growing up with the same people. It was hard. Yet when I got to Awakening four years ago and started coming you know, week after week and just felt called to be here, I knew I couldn't sit on the sidelines. Right? Like I just felt this like tug on my heart, like I, I gotta get involved, I have to do something, I can't just sit here. And I think it's because of the, that ingrained culture right, that was in me, that leadership and the partnership with God was already kind of like alive and brewing in me, like ready to erupt. And so I started serving on the connection team, I started greeting, I joined a midweek group, and it took about a year, I would say, to actually feel like I started feeling like I belonged. It took a year. I was taking that exploration to engagement, and yet it still took a year. And I just felt called to share that because I want to just tell anyone in the room that's new, you know, we meet people all the time who found us on Yelp or you just moved to the area. I see you. I feel you that it's hard. It is so hard to come, especially when you're after college, even now into adulthood, it is hard to make new community, right? Friends who feel like family. And yet with that, it's such a growing and stretching journey and it's so beautiful. God uses that journey so much. So flash forward about a year, I'm serving, right? I'm engaged and I begin meeting a, a few different girls, young women, about 10 or so. This is maybe through doing happy hours or our connect track, et cetera, maybe even just at the welcome table. And I felt God nudging on my heart, you need to start a small group with these girls. I was like, what? I was like, no. <laughs> and then I, and you know, we, it's so funny, right? We often look at our ability or lack thereof, and God's just like, I want your availability. Are you available? Like, don't even look at the ability. I will use the rest. I will use your voice. Like, just trust me and obey. So I'm like, okay, God, sure. And so God literally gave me these 10 girls by name, and we started this Bible study. The reason I bring this up is not about me, but about them, about all of us as a whole, as a collective. All these girls coming to Awakening, joining this group, they were hungry for more. They weren't just satisfied with coming to church and consuming. They wanted more, right? They wanted to engage and to lead. It was in that obedience for them to commit, to show up, and to invest that each of us went from just consuming a service from the church to becoming the church. Our number one priority became growing spiritually and heeding God's voice as number one. And from that, each of these girls went on to lead at Awakening through such various capacities. These are women whose names, if I threw out there, many of you know them because of the impact that they've made in various ministries at Awakening. They weren't just volunteering on a team. They were stepping into leadership because they understood the weight and the joy of being called to partner with God. They were excited about it. And we as a community became not just a Sunday church, but an everyday church. An everyday church that shows up for each other intentionally, right, through life's ups and downs. I have two photos. It's so funny. We don't have any photo, all of us together. And still, even in this photo, Jessica Luzada is missing. I had to give her a shout out. But these are these amazing women. I just wanted to show you their faces. And so, friends, the surprising solution 
is that the way that God's vision for our lives becomes a reality is for us to make it a reality by partnering with him, right? From us to seek to go from being consumers to contributing. Let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord, that we are your poetry. Jesus, thank you that we are your masterpiece. God, we are your handiwork. Lord, my prayer today is we would live from that identity. God, I pray for each and every person in this room right now, Lord. I ask, God, that you would speak to them. What is their tangible next step? God, how do you want to move within your church? God, how do you want to further your great commission through awakening, through each person in this room, Lord? God, we surrender to you, Jesus. God, we pray that your voice would be the loudest, Lord. We ask that that sacred enclosure around us to protect our roots would be you and only you, God. And Lord, we pray, God, that you would just help us to grow in our spiritual maturity, Jesus. God, we just continue to worship you now. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would speak to your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.